Is this art good? Welcome to Is This Art Good? Hello. The podcast where we determine whether some art is good or not. It might not be. My name is Devin, and I am here with Alphonse, as always. And not as always, I am here with another great friend of ours. His name is Andrew Wright. He's our guest today. Andrew, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I am Andrew. Um, what, should I, what should I say about myself? What do you guys want to know? Uh, just like your sign, like your horoscope and like your age and stuff, you know, <laughs> what you look for in a man. Yeah. Tell us what you look for in a man. I look for a dream daddy. Ah. Oh. That's for sure. I don't know what that is. We'll be finding those next week. Why don't you give uh, folks a sense of um, why your opinion should matter? I mean, ours doesn't really matter, but like why your opinion might matter to us and who you are. Yeah. So I've known uh, Alphonse and Devin for a while. Um, I think Devin 13 years now and maybe Alphonse 12. Probably like 12. Probably close. Something like that. So I've known yeah. these guys for a long time, and I feel like we all kind of, a lot of stuff we talk about is kind of different forms of media together, whether it's like what music we're into and stuff like that kind of seems like a pretty common thing that we all chat about. And we all kind of have varying different different opinions on things, I think, very bold takes on stuff sometimes. So I think it's a, this will be an interesting one, because I think a lot of the time some of our opinions will clash. So I'm excited to hear how some of these will go. Yeah. And you've got a some band, right? Yes. Um, I play I play in a band named Enrights right now, and I've played in um, many bands with Devin over the years. Yeah, so Andrew and I were uh, creative partners for quite some time. So, uh, But it's interesting because we bring different, very different things to the table, I feel like. And so very. That, I think that's going to come out when we start to get into our opinions on this stuff. I think so. I mm-hmm. think definitely. There's definitely when what works well when why Devin and I work well together is because we definitely do not bring the same things together whatsoever and I think it's usually a cool clash of things when we make something and I think that's what we've come to learn but I feel like in our early days of writing and making music together we definitely had a hard time with that sometimes because we would just argue and bicker but things would still come together in the end but we still argue and bicker that's the fun of it that's yeah, like that's part of the fun one third of the fun yeah I think I don't think we don't argue <laughs> I don't Over think it, you don't argue. Any That's right. That could be the line. That could be the quote for the day. So what are we what are we reviewing today? We will be reviewing um Sloan's nineteen ninety four album, Twice Removed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh I believe this was the album assigned to Devin. So I'm gonna let him kind of take the lead uh on this conversation. Yeah, so um you assigned me this so the way that we've done it uh, for people who didn't hear the end of our last episode was Andrew gave Alphonse and I each a piece. In this case, they were both albums. Um, and so we both listened to both albums. But uh, yeah, if you want to kind of separate the conversation out like that, Alphonse, that works for me. So Sloan is a band from Halifax, Nova Scotia, originally. Uh, and this is an album that, as I understand, you've wanted me to listen to for some time. And Yeah, definitely. I just don't fucking listen to you. It's really hard. Like I don't. You two give me more. If, give me more fucking suggestions than anybody else. And I'm like, yeah, I'll check that out. And then I don't. But for this, you have like. If you recommend something to Devin more than like three times, he decides he hates it. Basically, that's fair. Yeah. So this is a chance for you to just be like, okay, I've got a captive audience. They have to listen. What am I gonna give them? So why don't? Where do you want to start? You just want to start at the at the first track or do you want to give like some background on the album yeah i guess i'll i'll give a bit of background so basically i think i think this is a cool band for a few reasons like i think they're kind of pioneers for a lot of like indie and like uh 2000s rock in canada like billy talent and a lot of those kind of bands were influenced by sloan because they kind of had like a if you listen to more of their records they're all kind of sporadic there isn't really a lot of rules and there's four songwriters in the band so it's kind of like a whole do what you want sort of attitude. Some records sound more like 60s rock. Right. This one's more like a wishy-washy, like light indie rock with like all clean guitars. Like there's not really a lot of heavy rock on this album. You know what I mean? For like a 
rock band, quote unquote, right? Yeah, this one struck me say. as very like Beatles influenced. Hmm. Yeah, and very like mellow and just very. There's not a lot of points where it's like in your face, you know what I mean? I find. But um, yeah, so I think this is just a cool band. And um, what's funny is they're really not that big either, like especially beyond Canada. Like they really never broke it too big, you know what I mean? Right. They kind of peaked in the late 90s sort of thing. And like the, all their albums are like very, very well done too. So there's still like lots of good stuff throughout their discography. I think they have 12 albums now. But um, just an interesting band in general, mostly because of the four songwriter aspect. So it kind of look along with a lot of people, they do make um, a lot of comparisons to the Beatles with them. Yeah, it's kind of too. it's kind of like this plague of Canadiana to be stuck like the tragically hip, bare naked ladies, Sloan. Like these are all they kind of create a subgenre of Canadian rock that uh, didn't really get other people didn't really get it. Absolutely, and a lot of that has to do with the um, uh, Canadian content laws, like in, with our radio. So yeah, um, we have to play a certain amount of uh, Canadian content on our radio station. So even if everyone just wanted to hear like American bands and things like that that are way bigger we still have to play a certain amount of Canadian stuff so I think a lot of that brings exposure to those bands here it makes them seem a lot bigger than they really are because that's what you, you hear on the radio even though they don't really have that is that uh that law is called like maple or something right yeah there's uh, like the, the criteria group? for being considered Canadian music it's music artist <laughs> Uh, performance or live that's m-a-p-l or the four qu- criteria absolutely so fun of course <laughs> okay but yeah so i definitely thought this was a cool album of theirs um is this your favorite album of theirs no i think this is probably my third favorite album of third theirs favorite. okay hmm. yeah so um yeah i think this is this is their second record too so i guess the first album um so they're from Halifax. This is they came out I think in ninety two or one or something like that. I think ninety one. I don't know. Anyway, um, ninety two. So it was probably just after like Nevermind by Nirvana came out. So grunge was very big at the time. Um, yeah, you know. So everyone was really kind of hopping on that. And their first album was very grunge influenced, very shoegaze, lots of like fuzz. Like the whole record is literally just like this giant compressed fuzz track with like Dave Grohl drumming the whole way through. So it sounds nothing like the second album, um, but that's really... So they got signed to Geffen after their first um, album, Smeared, was released, and that's the label that like Guns N' Roses was on at the time. Just lots of those big like early 90s bands and stuff like that. So, Wasn't uh, Nirvana themselves on there? Cause, uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, same label. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, same label, yeah. I actually have a note about the, the first song. Yeah. Um, where yeah. apparently it's all made up of like fan mail from... Uh, from like Nirvana's fans that they somehow got their hands on. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. I think he stole it from the mailroom or something. I think they just went in and <laughs> took them from like, yeah, the, the mailroom. And I wanted to ask, was this, I mean, we can jump right into Pen Pals if you want, but was this album released before or after Kurt Cobain died? Ooh. It was 94, but he died in 94. 94. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know that, honestly. So either way, that wouldn't have been very sensitive. No, no. So it's the first track on this album. There is a song on the album that seems to be about uh, Kurt Cobain's death. Oh, really? Which one? I think it's Coax Me. True. Belzon's the one about a funeral. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's. I actually failed to take a note of which one it was. Nice. Even though that seems like it'd be pretty relevant. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, that's all good. We'll go through it. I guess the, the, main, the main thing that was kind of cool about this album was, uh, so the label really wanted them to make this, you know, grunge opus like they, they were like halifax is like canada seattle basically so then they were kind yeah. of targeting these bands to be like these are the next cool bands kind of thing um and they really wanted them to make this like heavy grunge record like other bands were doing alice and chain Soundgarden, nirvana all this stuff right yeah and they really didn't want to do that they just wanted to make an album that they wanted to make which is just like a 60s like pop like light pop album almost, you know what I mean? Right, and so they did it, and they didn't get any pr- any promotion or anything out of it. Yeah, and I, I think the uh, the budget for the album was like one hundred twenty thousand dollars, which is pretty pretty big for like a Halifax band in ninety four. You and I could make this fucking album on a thousand dollars. I I think <laughs> it's it's. Crazy. I think you guys it's, could make this album on like like twenty bucks. It's it has this charm to it that's like if you listen to the first record and then go to this one, you're like. 
what? Like, what? like this is like it's such a shift. The first one is very, very produced, like very. It honestly, in a lot of ways, reminds me of like you, you guys's like previous projects. Yep. Um, and like one of the singers per- in particular sounds like you, Andrew. Is it a uh, Jay? Uh, probably. I don't know. It yeah. probably. Probably. I hate my generation guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's the guy. Yeah. That sounds like a song you would write, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's because the weird fucking seventh chords and shit. Let's go into pen pals. So yeah, because we could just we'll just go all over. Um, yeah, you mentioned that this sounded like, or it was kind of the the progenitor of a lot of like Canadian indie rock stuff, and that's exactly what this first song sounds like. It's just like your 2010s, you know, all the stuff that was on the radio when we were in high school. You know. It's funny to me because like you guys mentioned sounding like the Beatles as like another thing, but this song actually kind of reminded me of the who. Ah, like, yeah, some something about like the um, how light it sounds and like mm-hmm. it has like these like la la la's and stuff. And that just seems like some weird thing you would find in a who song. Yeah, a weird who yeah. song. Yeah, well, like some I... Boris the Spider shit. <laughs> This one I think reminds me of like a Rolling Stones, just like the riff in, is in B and it just has like the shakers and it's just this very upbeat thing. And I think they would always, if they played it, they will like mash in a Jumping Jack Flash by the Stones, which I think is in the same key. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's like, it's a little yeah. bit surfy. It's a little bit like hippie rock, but it's also very kind of dark. Like, yeah, it's it's lyrics. only dark knowing the context of the song, like knowing that Kurt Cobain is dead and he shot himself in the head. And like these are like these broken English lyrics that are like, yeah. I love you so much. Please. I have your child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's it's almost like, uh, you know, um, they this band will get like a lot of comparisons at the time. We're getting a lot of comparisons to Weezer, too, whose blue album came out, I think, just before this. Yeah. So Weezer was kind of like, or Sloan was kind of like Weezer out nerds us in like a, a way that people <laughs> see it and like can like it's more palatable nerdy nerd rock than Sloan. You know what I mean? That's how they feel. Yeah. Which I think is pretty fair. Like Buddy Holly versus something off this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I very. Mean, uh, that's a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more of a of a bop. Yeah. Similar vibe, but they, I think they kind of. I don't know. Maybe they play it a bit safer. This is this is more artsy than that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I think the '90s were just fucked. Like I, we were yeah. b- all born mid '90s. So like this album came out the year Alphonse was born, and so yeah. we wouldn't yeah. have like firsthand experience of what this was like. But like, you know, if you are that 13 year old kid in this song from Norway, I mean, I got around as like a, a less than one year old. Yeah, I was hanging around Halifax did. and yeah, seeing all the shows. Cool man, fucking went to the seahorse. <laughs> oh, that's a Halifax reference. Sure. There you go, boys. I don't remember it because it was before <laughs> I was like three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the '90s were actually a fucked up decade. I feel like yeah. it was very dark times. Yeah, I've, dark music for sure. And speaking of the Who, I hate my generation is kind of like the Who. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> talking that's about the record. hating my generation. Well, well the song the, that song's about um uh, uh, so the guy who wrote that it was he worked at I think the Sam the Record Man. Oh yeah, his local one I believe or something one of the local record right. stores, and that was him observing people his age coming into the record store. Here he's like ah, you know I'm cooler. I listen to cool like music. us going into <laughs> HMV circa twenty nine twenty twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut the zeros out. They don't fucking matter. Well, it's just one zero you're cutting out. 2009? 209? That's horrible. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so, sorry. So, that was oh, dumb. <laughs> yeah, so the, I think the, the so the second one is kind of like a... It just, it's, it's like a very fun... Like It just reminds me of something we'd write in high school. I think that's part of the reason I was like we should listen to this one because it's very it just reminds you of something we'd write i have like, there's a lot of ago. um inside joke rock vibes on this like you were it, it sounds like it's written in a way that's for the band like you need to have yeah. some necessary outside context to actually understand the the lyrics and it's like a lot of the time i was like i don't fucking know what this is like i can't understand what they're talking yeah. about yeah which yeah, is i ran thing. into that a lot as well yeah it's kind of funny. I feel like you guys tend to gravitate sometimes towards like music 
that sounds like your old music or like music that you guys could like almost see yourself playing at like a bar somewhere, you know? That's fair. I I don't know if that's like a thing you guys are like consciously aware of. I don't think so. I I mean, I I don't gravitate to Sloan though. Really? No, for sure. But like I feel like you you guys don't go outside of like that kind of uh er genre of like indie rock like l- kind of like local sounding rock of listening or creating listening it, maybe i'm talking more about devon but like it seems like you <laughs> stick within like okay these are guitars and a bass and a drummer and a singer like there's nothing outside of that what you're saying is you're you're tired of guitar rock so say that Oh, I'm, I definitely am. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I just, I, maybe it's that perspective that makes it strange that Devin doesn't go outside of that much. That's fair. I'm, I, I would say I'm also, even though like I mostly listen to like music with guitars in it, I'm also like, wow, I, I will not hesitate to say like, I hate guitar at least like three times a day, <laughs> even though it's like yeah, mostly yeah. what I do and stuff. You hate playing guitar. I hate playing guitar, but also just guitars are annoying. I worked at a guitar store for two years. I can give you some hot takes, please. Fuck. True. <laughs> yeah, I don't want a hot take. But yeah, there's not a lot of e- evolving happening in um, guitar rock for sure. So it's hard to kind of make something that's modern with guitars. And I find a lot of <clears throat> pop artists are bringing guitars back in, into their music now, though, and using them in different yeah. ways where it's more like a this is a cool vibey thing. You know what I mean? Instead of sampling stuff, they'll have like a three second guitar part in their song and it'll yeah, go we, away and they'll be like, Oh, that's the guitar. part." Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit on the, our Aesop rock episode where he uses a lot of these, yeah. he brings in like, you know, a real bass or a real guitar. And even though it's just kind of like one motif, um, but that was kind of the thing with this album too. Like when I listened to it, I was like, yeah, okay, this is pretty fu-. Like I've heard shit like this before. And then I was like, oh, but wait, this did it first. And I think that's the important thing to yeah. remember, right? When you get tired of this stylistically, not tired, when you get uh, to think that it's kind of like everything else, you're like, everything else is ripping them off. Yeah. You know, and There's, I think that's yeah. important. Um, and People of the Sky was a really good one for that. Like, it was very 2000s college rock. Mm-hmm. Remind me of The Long Winters, which is not yeah, a band, yeah. a reference people will get. <laughs> Some people know them. I don't think so. <laughs> Leave it and see. But yeah, People people of the Sky is an interesting one. So that's their drummer's song. Um, it's he's kinda, He kind of does more like Bob Dylan-y, very lyrical things. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. He's their lyrical guy. For sure. This was, that's good that you say that because I have a line that's just like, is this anything? Is this, is this just an example of like just drivel that's so cryptic you're supposed to think you understand it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably. I I found like some of the later, like like as the song went on and like it kind of doesn't really have like a verse chorus thing going. It's just all like, verses with this like baba like the kind of vocal thing um and it just like it kind of crawls as like it goes on like just because it keeps that same rhythm the whole time um and that's something i kind of ran into mailboxes drip like lampposts in the twisted birth canal of the coliseum (laughs) 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 There it is. There's there our walk is. hard reference for the episode. I've got a tally. <laughs> I had to make it. But you're not so wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong about that. There are a couple that I kind of felt that way, less lyrically and more musically, that kind of seemed just to drag. Drag, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this was the only one that lyrically, like, dragged for me. Yeah, I think it's just five verses, right? I think just five verses in a row or something. Yeah. Yeah. That it doesn't seem like it's saying anything. Like, do you know what the song's saying? No, like I think it's just supposed to be like a, this is a poem about uh, people breaking up or something. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Okay. That's how I interpret it, at least. All right. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's allowed. So, so that's so I think that's the first three songs. You hear three different guys. So the first one's Chris, and he's kind of like does the more poppy kind of stuff, more upbeat kind of witty stuff. And then there's Jay, who's more like a definitely the most Beatlesy influenced one. And kind of does weird 
yeah seven chord stuff you know and then this one this guy andrew is their drummer and he's definitely the most like bob dylan influenced for sure yeah very just lyric happy kind of songwriter that makes a lot of sense and then um it coax me is the other guy no that's chris again that's chris again yeah, it's it's weird. On on other records, it kind of they kind of start doing it. Sometimes it'll be like the first four songs will each be a guy, then they'll right. kind of mix it up. But this one there isn't. You don't get the fourth guy Patrick until I think track six maybe. Hmm. Right. You know, it's rare to hear the word cajole in lyrics in a chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like especially like that's the word that you latch onto. And I I really like that chorus. Definitely. Yeah. Cajole me. Yeah. It's it's interesting. <laughs> And I think that's his his thing is he's supposed to portray like this guy who has like a dictionary for lyrics. You know what I mean? That's almost kind of like <laughs> the vibe is given off by this guy uh, by on this guy's songs. That's just like he has like a thesaurus or something in front of him. That's yeah, how, yeah. how I always kind of take it. Yeah, <laughs> this uh, this one had a very um, it was like a bite sized morsel of 90s culture. That was uh, yeah. the if I drink concentrated OJ, would that make consolidated OK? And I think just, well, calling it OJ, first of all, is very 90s to me. Definitely. Um, True. Because it'll murder you and your family. <laughs> <laughs> that was a double a double 90s reference. Dang. <laughs> um, but consolidated, I was like, what is that? And I looked it up and it's a band, like an early 90s, late 80s band. And I was like, okay, yeah, I was, sure. I was confused about that. They say they're like less of a band and more of a more of a statement. I think they were very big on animal rights and different rights and stuff like that. So I think the line was supposed to be like, if I do this thing, does that mean I can listen to Consolidated? And oh. it's just annoying because like they're like, I, I can respect what the band's saying, but I just hate their fans. I like the, in this reference in this verse is like, yeah, it's I think that's the standout. Those lines are probably the standout lines on this album. I think the first time I listened to it, this is the first Sloan record I listened to also. That I just sat down and listened mm-hmm. to the whole thing. Like I heard their singles and stuff, but then I just looked up like what what one's the best. So I just found this one, but. Yeah, I, I found when the first time I listened to this thing the whole way through, it was that verse that kind of popped out at me that I was like, totally. What the heck? Like, what is what is what does it say? It, it's almost like got like a she don't use jelly uh, vibe to it. Yeah. Just about eating a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's kind of it's kind of like the the I fucking hate PETA people. Right. Like, that's yeah. really that's what it's it's saying. It's like, Jesus Christ, I wish they would stop throwing pies in the yeah. face of ministers. Yeah, coconut cream pies, I believe, which is like yes. that uses cream, which is animal product. Fuck, Peter doesn't make any fucking sense. Let's not go there. Coax me is a really emotional <laughs> song. Yeah, it's a it just feels emotional. I think it's that 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 chorus yeah. is like a big chord drop. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a, pay, a good payoff because it's like two chords and then big sad chorus kind of thing. I think this was like one of my favorites on the album. Probably me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and it was the yeah. single. It was like the lead single. And I think it was one yeah. that I had heard before. Yeah. yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good yeah, choice. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, and then the 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 bridge is interesting because it's just all falsetto. Mm-hmm. With just these jangly guitars and just goes back into it. Like, it's just a simple <laughs> song, but it's like, it's very effective. And it's like, oh, this is, keeps your attention, doesn't drag on for too long. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's very, a good, like, it's, it's a, a good song. It's a neatly packaged tune that like just well, makes a good single. I think. Yeah, most most people I think put this up there for like some of their favorites by these yeah. guys. They don't strike me as a band who writes for singles either. No. Um, but I think the way that that things went at the time was like you didn't get to pick the single, you know. The yeah. the the label picked the single for you and that was like, okay, it's going to be this one. Uh, yeah. Why not loosens? <laughs> <laughs> one of, one of the singles was People of the Sky. Yeah, that was the second one. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Um, I like kind of get it, but also like, mm, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I wouldn't have picked that one. This isn't a single packed album either. This is probably their least one. Yeah. Well, and I think that's appropriate. I mean, the next two songs I think are like the most anti-single material I've ever heard. Yeah. What's next? Oh, it's Bells Bells on next, right? Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's probably, that's just a good song. I like it. It's uh, it's just very simple. It's another one that was very Beatlesy to me. Yeah, but also like kind of Lou Reed ish, which is weird very, and like mm-hmm. not a comparison that I make. So yeah, it must man, I really... am the table. Yeah, 
Uh, that's actually Metallica. Isn't it with Lou Reed? Yes. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> I think it was released main, mostly as a Metallica album featuring Lou Reed. Yeah, it was. Mm. He's dead. Insane. He is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Something about just, he's dead. Yes, he's dead. <laughs> well, he's dead, and this song is about somebody being dead. You know, it's yeah. it's funny because it's it's applying like I care about you and I would absolutely come to your funeral, mm-hmm. but it means I'd also I'd be very glad if you died. Yeah, it's and it's another big word word like double entendre. Kind yes, of thing. there's a lot of double entendres on this. There's a little a lot of sexual innuendo on this album as well. Definitely, yeah, a little bit, little uh, some ACDC. But to me, it almost sounds like the uh, it sounds to me like he penned out these lyrics and they kind of wrote this song around him almost you know what i mean like i feel like the music was huh. written but it, it's it's like a weird it sounds like it would be a simple chord progression to play and it is but like the timing of it was really weird sometimes if you listen to it do you know anything about their process like as far as like will one person bring a full song to the table or like yeah, so I think each song is kind of different, but for the most part, they don't really write a lot together. Right. It'll be more like like the a guy will bring like most of a song to the table and stuff like that. Um, like the I Hate My Generation has both Chris and Jay singing. Mm-hmm. Like there's two vocalists on that song, and not just doing harmonies because they do like the verses go back and forth. Like one guy will say a line, then the other guy will say a line. It won't be like Jay will finish the line, then they'll have to like cut him in. On the record, kind of thing. Yeah, like they'll I see have what you're a guy go back and forth. It's just so, so it just sort of happens the way it happens. Whatever the song. Yeah, it can, yeah. I think yeah, I think that's that's usually how it goes. But I think on this record, for the most part, it's pretty just standalone. Like I think you know, Chris wrote his songs, and the other guys just wrote their songs for the most part, and probably got some input from the other guys too. But I think for the most part, they did their own stuff. You just kind of bring the track. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um. Yeah. Any other thoughts about bells on either of you? I I think it's interesting that like the way that the title kind of uh, puts importance on the last chunk of the song where like the theme of bells on like the, you know, the literal lyric bells on and like that being a part of the, uh, the lyrics is kind of story mm-hmm. doesn't come up until like the very end, but right. the title of the song like points it out as like the most important part of it. Yeah. It kind of, uh, in that way, it kind of held my attention actually to be like, how does that factor in? Um, especially because the first time I listened to it, I didn't listen to it with, I wasn't reading along to the lyrics. So Mm -hmm. hearing just the phrase at the end stick out, it was like, okay, I get what he's going for with this kind of, I would say, yeah, longing for a relationship that like you wish mattered more to the other person. Yeah. You know, or somebody who's, who's not enthusiastic, who doesn't come into the relationship with bells on, Mm -hmm. you know? Very true. Yeah. This is another one with another big la la bridge. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it is i think most of chris's songs it's just like instead of like a bridge it'll just be like a law section except for coax me where there's the falsetto thing right mm-hmm. oh and did you like the uh the widow's peak widow speak i loved it i loved that it, i forgot most, that, like, that honestly, was a song yeah a lot of the songs on the like the 90s records especially like his songs will all be those kind of verses and it's just like this is something i'm just like it's just the witty devon Ha ha ha! I <laughs> thought really hard about this line. You know what I mean? That's what I always think. Yeah. Anyways, sometimes you think hard about it. Sometimes it just comes out, and you're like, "That's fun. Write it down. That's fine." Yeah. And I feel like that's how that's where you and I are different because I think you'll you'll care a bit more about what things are saying sometimes. Where I'll be like, "That just has a ring. Something about that." And you'll be like, "Andrew, that doesn't really make sense though, or something." And I'm like doesn't have to make sense you know what i mean yeah whether grammatically <laughs> like that's where we or heads yeah it's fun that's okay it's allowed um what's the next song loosens yeah it's like the worst song in the album this song was like it uh, the other song finished and this started and i was like oh no <laughs> this is another yeah. really like slow song yeah there's yeah. a it's a dip yeah, yeah. i yeah. i do like that there's like this like piano in parts yeah. of it. The piano is really nice. It's very like soothing. Yeah, it's it's soothing, but it's also like kind of really low and like dramatic at times as well. But yeah, it I was just like, this is really slow. 
I think the piano in this is interesting because piano, um, just from its sonic qualities, usually kind of serves to lift a song up. But in this, it has like this low droning effect that actually brings it down to me. It's used more as like mm-hmm. a bass instrument in this than a lead instrument, which uh, which is kind of interesting from like a melodic and structural point of view, but I didn't like it. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't really like this song. This is the yeah. first uh, Patrick song on the album. Pat. Yeah. People named Pat can't write music. That's what I learned. <laughs> <laughs> Let's generalize. No comment. Um, I also, there's like this like instrumental break that happens twice in the song and it just kind of doesn't go anywhere and just goes back to like, I don't know, it feels like transitional, but then it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And it, it like, it's just like this part. It's just there. It's just dropped in. It's yeah. so weird. It kind of loses I, me a bit. It's like, it's a good mood song. You know, if there's like a vibe, if you're just kind of chilling, fucking relax, you know, the same reason you would might put on jazz. <laughs> but I don't like jazz and I don't like this song. Mm. Yeah, to me, so I like listen to this song. I have like the CD that was just in my car. Mm. That's how I feel like I listen to this album a lot. So to me, I hear those first notes of Loosens and then to me, it's automatically the drum fill for Worried Now happens in my head because <laughs> I usually just hit skip. Click. Yeah. But what's, what's okay, so what, my one comment, what's funny about this song is, so this is six songs in and uh, this is the first time we hear Patrick, who's one of the two main songwriters in Sloan. Like Chris and Patrick are the two main ones over their span, span of their whole career, right? Oh, okay. So what's what's funny about this though, and all the Patrick songs on this record is they're like probably like some of his weakest songs, and most of the big Sloan songs are written by Patrick. Huh. In the future. Huh. Yeah, that's and interesting. They're, and they're usually uh, and this guy's like a big like this is their he. If throughout the rest of their career he's more like a, portrays himself as a big like he's like the rock guy in the band so like he's very into ACDC and like Van Halen and like Motorhead but so he writes okay. all the big like hooky catchy rock songs with like really good like generic like Money rock, City Maniacs like Foo Fighters rock lyrics and then yeah Money City Maniacs yeah. and stuff like that where it's like the huge the big riffs and it's like yep this this slaps it's like the big rocker songs but on this record it doesn't come across like that at all it's just like Time for loosens. <laughs> Time for loosens. More like loosen my butthole. <laughs> and the drum. So on worried now, um, it was, I think is great placement in the album. Cause it's after these two songs and I was kind of like, ah, okay. And then it kind of wakes you up and brings yeah. you back into it. Um, this song does that for me. And this one was the one that I thought had like the rapid flowers vibes. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Like this isn't by any means one of my favorite songs by them, but there's there's something fun and just that doesn't overthink it a whole lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely very high school rock it, again. It's refreshing after like two very slow songs, one good and one less good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I didn't really have much to say about this, probably because it does keep it so simple. It's fairly straightforward, yeah. right? Um, but it just it does have a good energy. Yeah, and yeah. I kind of like the the ending of it, the worried now, but there's like three voices happening. It's like a weird harmony thing. Yeah, goes, yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's it. Cool. Yeah, that's all I had on that one. Okay. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. That's a quick one. Um, that's about it. The now here's here's one. Shame, shame. Ah, uh, yes. Why don't you guys start with this one? Um, I like I like that there's a slinky bass and the song in general has this kind of slinky thing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, this was kind of like, th- this was where I felt the need to like note that like ha- just how many songs I didn't know what they were talking about because they're so like cryptically like hyper specific about things in their own lives, it seems. Oh, see, that's so funny to me because I... Th- <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. I thought that this was like the given the dog a bone of this album, but in like the (laughs) I'm sorry you're taken and I can't have you sort of way. (laughs) Not given the dog a bone. No, there's like, this is the one that has like the weird fucking double entendre sexual innuendos one. What's the line? I guess I. I Yeah, it's true. 
see, it sounds like it, he's talking about someone else's partner, wanting someone else's partner. You couldn't say your girlfriend's name. I'll say it next time for sure. And he goes on. Um, but then when he he's talking to her in the pre-chorus, I think, and it's like, keep your head up, can't accept your hand. And I'm like, sounds like a little... Oh, a, a, an innuendo. Yeah, a little hand I don't think that action. was the one that stood out to me. Uh, I'll vape to that. Yeah, that one, I don't know. <laughs> I'll vape to that. <laughs> yeah, rip that cloud. I don't know. They sound very, <laughs> like, very innocent double entendres for sure. And I might just mm-hmm. be looking for some vulgarity in there. But I don't really listen to music for that, so I don't know why. But it really did jump out at me. Yeah, true. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I guess I never really pay attention to that line, but definitely. There's definitely, it's almost like playful as opposed to, Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's like, it's saying, I would love you, right? I would take you. I would have, I would make you mine but I can't because you belong to somebody else. So don't give me your hand, keep your head up, which is like, cheer up, pal, it's fine, but also, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's almost like, like to me, it just sounds like the most like high school, like another just high school rock one. You know, that's very what I'm like, thrilled rock. with. Like very like, you could see like a grade 10 band like <laughs> doing this, you know what I mean? Like something yeah. just about yeah the whimsiness and like, weird but yeah I, I agree with what Alphonse says about the baseline the baseline's really cool in this one yeah the baseline's great the production on it on this song in particular is really good it's very 70s the drums are very like 70s and raw yeah um they are on mm-hmm. a lot of the album but like they're particularly like roomy and everything else is a little bit more produced which is kind of interesting yeah yeah I like this one yeah me too uh deeper than beauty yeah, this was actually the one that stood out to me as being like the most like lo-fi high school, like almost having like a Napoleon Dynamite kind of charm to it. Yeah, there's no bass on it. Nope. Yeah. And that's what does it, I think. There's only a guitar track, a couple vocal tracks and a drum track. Yeah. I don't think it, this is this is the Chris's song. This is the bassist song. And for whatever reason, they just didn't record bass for this. I really don't know. I think it might have just been him who recorded it or he just told the drummer quickly like here's how the song goes cuz it's pretty much just one like like drum beat the whole time you know Yeah yeah yeah, yeah very yeah. very straightforward but this is probably one of my favorite songs on it I think this is a cool song just cheesy clever lyrics that are fun it's just an upbeat one kind of rude about the glasses but <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> a glasses. little bit the the falsetto on this one yeah drove me up the fucking wall <laughs> it's up there and it just oh, goes the yeah ending law yeah. it was too it was too much for me personally i like a good falsetto you want to show your range great you do it but this one was like it graded on my soul definitely definitely fair <laughs> so i think he has four songs on this album four or five and i think most of them it's it's same thing either the falsetto bridge or the law bridge or in this one a combination <laughs> combination of the falsetto and the laws well you know what they say you can't spell falsetto without la absolutely i tried falsetto <laughs> flacetto no falsetto you have to take out the letters that are in law obviously holy fuck dude set seto kaiba yeah seto kaiba seto kaiba <laughs> Uh, so we're not talking about Nickelback anymore. We're going to be reviewing the Yu-Gi-Oh movie after this. Just the oh, Yu-Gi-Oh man. theme song. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! It's time to... Let's talk about Dungeon Dice Masters. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, let's not. <laughs> let's not. <laughs> Yeah, see, oh, I this is great because I think I disagree with you guys on deeper than beauty. It's not; it didn't really do it for me. I think that's also totally fair. It's like it's not like I I really enjoy it, but it's, I could definitely see why you wouldn't. I liked it, but like I would say I'm kind of in the middle. Like I'm, it's not my favorite on the album, but I'm oh, like, good. yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, it seemed like intentionally whiny, and I'm okay with whiny. Mm. Um, I prefer intentional, so that brought it up a little bit. But it was like. Yeah, just the whole tone of it. And I think by the time that it gets to that falsetto part, I was like, oh, so that's why it it bothered me. But that's okay. Yeah, that is 
allowed. And what's next? Is it a snowsuit, snowsuit sound? Yeah. It's a good one. Oh, it's a good one. It kind of reminds me, like, it's almost like the vocals go into this, like, smashing pumpkins kind of territory. It's it's that weird, like, nasally whine at times. Yeah. Which, like, I didn't dislike. I, I thought this was a... Uh, I, I feel like I'd rank it right alongside Deeper Than Beauty. Like, it's, like, not my favorite, but I do like it definitely oh, really? more than I dislike it. Yeah. So this one was actually yeah. very high on my list. Oh, okay. I... Yeah, I really like this one. I really like the phrase snowsuit sound because if someone says that, I made that snowsuit sound. I'm like, I know what that fucking sounds like. Here's everyone's impression of a snowsuit sound. <laughs> That's a it's a very Canadian thing. Eh? Yeah, it's a very Canadian thing. And it's very much like this is the one that's like very nostalgic inside joke. Rocky. Mm-hmm. Great production on this one. Great fuzz bass. Yeah, yeah. This song, this song really did it for me. What do you guys think this song is about lyrically? It's about finding someone. It's about it's it's a, <laughs> actually it's about the same thing shame shames about but with a different person and with a more juvenile context. Definitely. See something about it. I, I don't know if I can point to any lyrics specifically, but it felt like it was like a song from the perspective of a guy who like has a crush on their bully. Yeah. Yeah. The, Cause there's the line about getting sand in your, in your like braces basically. Yeah. And getting knocked off the swing, but it's like definitely got like a love suit, love, su- <sighs> love suit. It's definitely got <laughs> love. Suit oh man. Song. Don't make me put on my love. <laughs> don't make me put on my love suit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put mine on right now. <laughs> Let me slip into something less comfortable. Ah, something hit my keyboard. Shit's falling over. It definitely feels like a love song. <laughs> I'm stuck. You can't see it right now, but Devin's stuck in his shirt. I'm all tangled. There's like a my headphone cords got all wrapped around. I oh, shouldn't geez. have done this. Are you okay? Uh no, there we go. Got it. And yeah. Okay, that was terrible. Okay. And we're back. There we go. Devin's not choking to death, so that's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so uh just another point on this song. Love suit. Love suit, yes, on love suit sound. <laughs> um so this was uh one of Jay's songs and uh, I think in more recent interviews, like this song wasn't like a big song for them by any means. Like they didn't put it as a single, but for them, when they talk about this album now, they this is one of their favorite songs on it because they're usually like this one kind of holds up better than a lot of the other ones do, and it seems the most contemporary. And then they're like, we should have probably made this one a single too because it's kind of yeah more. What? It's probably the most singly one on it is what they think, and I'm like, that's kind of fair too. I think it is. I yeah. think this is a great song. What is the sizzle teen? I don't know. She's older than me. He. He, he. Okay. Maybe it's not she. Maybe it's just about a friend. I think the line is she's older than me, isn't it? No, you're older than me. Uh, Never got to tell you that I was your greatest fan. Yeah, that's fan. it's a sweet song. And again, it, it is, it's very juvenile. And mm-hmm. that's I, I like that. Like I like songs that are written from the mindset of a younger version of yourself. I think it's a very appealing thing and probably goes back to my love of nostalgia, which I'm going to get into on the next, the next episode as well a little bit. Um, yeah, but yeah, this song, uh, this one does it for me. I feel like a lot of that record kind of, I, I feel like this one to me, especially in comparison to the rest of their records, for sure. This one feels like they tried to get into their younger heads mindset. I think, cause I think they were all kind of around, our age, like 25-ish at the time when they wrote this and released it. But I think it I, they almost... This album sounds more juvenile than their last one. So I feel like they almost were like, let's get signed to Geffen, which is, you know, pumping out Guns N' Roses and Nirvana right now. <laughs> yeah. And let's make this high school rock album. Like, let's just literally... like And the songs, and that's the thing, there's some songs that are like, like how did this even you know what like, like lucids you know like what like what yeah i i think that's really interesting and i just thought of this now um you know the phrase twice removed refers to a generational thing right if mm-hmm. you have a cousin twice removed it means that there are two generations difference between you and them 
And so maybe that's the thing. Maybe that it's like, it's supposed to be a generational gap between the people telling these stories and the people that the stories are about, you know? Mm, um, fair. And I didn't think, I didn't, I didn't think of that until now. And I couldn't uh, find anything on what the songs or what the album title uh, was or where that came from. So, yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. It's definitely interesting. But yeah, I think this one's definitely probably one of my favorite ones on it. Yeah. Good. Good one. We agreed on that one. Cool. I was going to go to the next one, but before I do, <laughs> I'm going to make a pun. Uh, Got him. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, so before I do, Bells On and Loosens are like a trio of songs stylistically to me, which is really interesting because they're all written by different people. Mm-hmm. It's like a ballad from each of three of the four band members. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? That's a good way to put it. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, it almost seems like uh, how I kind of envision it would be like, imagine being in this group with people and you're all bringing songs to the table and it'd be like, oh, he wrote a song like this. Well, I'm going to kind of do my take on that. And I haven't, I don't know too, too much about the recording and writing process of this one, but I've kind of read into some of the other ones a bit more. And it's kind of been that way where it's been like, oh, you know, this guy on our last record wrote these cool rock songs. And for this record, he's got these ones. So I kind of want to write my own take on that. I like what you did there. Yeah, yeah. That's really neat. I like that a lot, actually, where it's not like (laughs) this is my style and I'm bringing this to the table. It's like, huh, I think that that what you did was really cool. And let's try to maybe do this. Yeah. And definitely on the later albums, I find that kind of happens more and more. You'll go through an album, you'll be like track eight or something. You'll be like, oh, this is a Chris song, but it kind of, I think Andrew kind of did a bit better on track four. You know what I mean? Like there's like full on songs or like, okay, this sounds like he kind of did the same stylistic thing as this guy, but whose take do you like better kind of thing almost. Hmm. Interesting. And just having the four different dudes is interesting. What's cool live too is they actually... We'll switch instruments too, depending on who's doing what. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. See, I think it's interesting because for me, it actually served, like I like the idea of the four songwriters and I like the way that like stylistically it comes out, but it kind of served to weaken the album as like a package. Definitely. Yeah, I can see that. I agree. Yeah, because it's just kind of like, you know, there is that trio um, with Before I Do, Bells On and Loosens, to me at least. But those are also like some of the weirder, weaker songs. Not weaker. Bells on isn't a weaker one. But yeah, I would agree stylistically too, like sure. different and sort of left field. So it's weird that those are the ones that share a vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, before I do, kind of reminds me of Only in Dreams by Weezer. Yes. Like it's the same a, thing. Like to a T. Like a hundred percent, you know? Yep. And then and it kind of just has this abrupt ending. Like, I don't know. It's, I, I, it's their art rock song, you know? Big long jam. <laughs> it doesn't have an abrupt ending. I, it doesn't end. It just kind of fades out, doesn't it? No, it just stops. It cuts off mid phrase and everything. No, 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 no. And it just stops. And it and just goes, goes to the, the next one. Yeah. 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 So I think that I think they were kind of they they must have been aware of that to a T to be like, okay, this is kind of meandering, but we want to have a song like this, you know? And I think Devin and I have both. Definitely written our fair share of eight-minute songs that were like, wow, <laughs> this is definitely just <laughs> art rock, and this is for us, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's it used to be more of the norm, too. These days, you don't really see that. No one would really do that anymore. But in the 90s, absolutely, even the 2000s, for sure. I do feel like those songs are like kind of a gamble, though, where like sometimes it's like one of the best songs on the album, and other times it's just like, Oh boy, this is just like a fucking slog. Like, yeah. honestly, I really didn't like this this song specifically. Me too. Yeah, me yeah. either. This is a slog because like it has like an interesting like core riff that it's doing, but then it just does that for like a long, long, long yeah. time. Especially long on an album time. that's only like forty ish minutes. Yeah, like seven minutes is a lot. Yep. And I think it could have been better because it's got, well, first of all, it probably works for live. If they did that live, it would be like, okay, here's a cool big jam. Great. But, you know, at the end of a set. Um, but it's got this like spoken word part underneath there. Mm-hmm. And if that was louder, I could have dealt with it being as long as it was. But it's like, 
well, my guy and I'm in jail and uh, this is the story about this person that I'm talking. And it's so buried that like you pay, you kind of don't pay attention to it. But if, if you were drawn to that more then the extra minute or two of music would have been okay, but you're not, the music is the focus. And then you're like, yeah, this is really just kind of meandering. And, and and I think that comes in about halfway through the song. So like half of the song yeah. is that like, weird like oh my arm is broken and the, the, they don't understand and the, the, you know yeah it's just the fucking like, monologue from a tarantino movie it's not it, it's not that cohesive though no no true yeah yeah i i think my favorite part of this song like, i really don't listen to this one much at all but i think my favorite part is kind of when it picks up a little bit and there's the other guys kind of vocals come in i feel like that part it's like interesting for about like a minute kind of when it picks up and then it just kind of yeah. keeps going and then it just doesn't because yeah. it kind of goes up and you're like oh it's gonna keep going up but then it kind of does this it it's gonna build keeps doing the same thing but slumps just kind of like yeah yeah full disclosure the first time i listened to it i had to check how long was left in the song and the next two times i listened to it i skipped it after i hit 340 <laughs> that's very fair i was like okay yeah. i mean it just ends abruptly anyway so it sounds the same as skipping it yeah exactly yeah perfect <laughs> So, um, okay, now let's abruptly end and go to the next song. I can feel it. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. By Sloan. (laughs) (laughs) So this song sounds like a a little bonus track after the real last song, right? Which is great. I, I always like when albums do that. But also, if I think of it that way, then I'm like, the last song sucks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting one because I feel like they could have put this maybe where Loosens is and just ah. cut Loosens. Yeah. What I always kind of think. And this would have made it flow a bit better, I think, personally. Yeah. I, I liked like the tone of the song and like there's, I like how that solo is kind of like weirdly like beachy sounding. Yep. Like it's a very clean guitar and it's very like de emphasized by just being kind of like off to the side. Totally. Yeah, totally. Very calm, whereas the last thing was very, like, these dis- kind of dissonant chords were kind of just going forever, then it's this kind of quiet, calm, relaxed yeah. thing again, you know? Yes, absolutely. Relationshipy song. And I always forget about this song, honestly, but it's like, I don't uh, know. See, this, cool. song, this song also has the double entendre when he says, I've got a thing for you, too. Mm-hmm. This, that's what I was thinking about earlier when we were talking. I thought it was that song that had the double entendre from this yeah you've got a thing for me i can feel it and i've got a thing for you too you can have it Mm. it's like my thing my thing that i've got for you here's my thing baby yeah (laughs) the song is a female vocalist and i think that was patrick's singer singer the patrick's girlfriend at the time she was a singer for another halifax she was another halifax band yeah this is a yeah this is a fave and this one does the abrupt ending well it just kind of ends and just strums and then it's like Album's done. Okay. Bye. See y'all next week. And it's funny because it's like that album, that song is a good closer, I think. It's, but then it's funny if you listen, like I said, I listen to the CD. So then that ends, it's that chord fades, then it goes back into the, and it's very more like upbeat, like fun right out the gate. You know what I mean? Whereas the end, it's a bit more somber. Do you agree? You mean when it, if you're, if it's on CD where it starts at the first track again? Yeah, I feel like that first song is very fun, and by the end, like it, it kind of introduces a very fun but yeah. weird record. But I feel yeah. like by the end, it's very somber. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I agree. But with because that. it all sounds like musically consistent for the most part, it all kind of flows. You know? See, I don't think it sounds yeah. musically consistent. Fair. I think that's a problem <laughs> I have with it is that it doesn't sound musically consistent. I feel like the production I, on some of the songs changes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely that. I feel like. The way the instrumentation is like, I think the overall tone of like the album is consistent, but the instrumentation and like writing style isn't, and neither is the production. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's almost like a little consistent. <laughs> That's such a weird thing but, to say, but yeah, I kind yeah. of agree. Yeah. Like it is and it isn't. It is in some aspects and it's just not in others. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, this this album was was voted the best Canadian album of all time a few a few times by Chart Magazine by different a few different magazines I believe, which is really interesting. Yeah, I think that's objectively wrong. Yeah, I I, I I think I agree too. 
there are bare naked ladies albums there are a lot of canadian albums i think are better than this (laughs) so is it good okay so is this art good i guess do i have to go first since i was assigned this do you want to go me alphonse and andrew yeah sure sure okay let's do it that way so is this art good yeah uh this art's good um about i think 100 percent of this art is good but only about 60 percent of this art is for me mm. this album wasn't wasn't created for me there are i i think um coax me shame shame snowsuit sound these are like these are great devon songs on this album um and I also really did enjoy Bells On and some of like the more Beatlesy earlier stuff. But yeah, overall, I was like, it's a good album. It's kind of not my thing. I've listened to Navy Blues as well. That was the only other Sloan album I've listened to, which is very different from this. That's a lot more like your rock and roll album. Um, and so I tried not to con- to compare it to that because you said that this was very different. This was more like an indie rock vibe, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I'm a sucker for those like nostalgic juvenile songs anyway. So those really did it for me. And yeah, some of the different production techniques were, were interesting and like in actually in loosens, the piano thing brought the vibe down, but I thought it was like an interesting creative choice. And there was a lot of that where I was like, I don't really like that personally, but I think that that's a neat thing to do in general. So for that, I'm going to give it an eight on an objective scale but for me it's more of a 6.5 so it'd be a a blend cream for me or a uh yeah let's say a blend cream or a homo milk for me yeah for myself i i know that this is a good album but very likewise to devon like it's just it's very not for me i would say even more so than devon um where like i think i would give it about like a seven because like you know there's a lot of interesting stuff on here um and like but at the same time i don't think that all of the songs are super great and Mm -hmm. i have an issue where like none of the nothing on it super like sticks with me um just like i don't know i think this like vibe doesn't uh it's not something that i'm super into like the high school rock Mm. kind of like college rock feeling that you guys have described it just doesn't really do anything for me so yeah but i you know it's a good album like there's they're talented musicians and there's some really well constructed songs on it but i just not for me so i think i'm gonna give it a seven for its like objective score but i would give it probably like a four for myself um just nothing really like clicks with me about it fair those are both yeah. those are both kind of fair. I thought you guys both rated even higher than I thought you would. But um for really? me, like like I said, this hold, is hold, hold on, yeah, wait, totally. don't. I want to know what you thought our ratings yeah, were. That's, interesting. that's that's great. Actually, I don't know. I think Alphonse is pretty on par. I thought you would like it less. If that's fair. I just wanted to hear what you guys thought of this album. Because like it's definitely like Sloan's probably one of my favorite bands, but this is not my favorite record of theirs, right? Right. And like even mm-hmm. even when I'm like, is it is it my third favorite? It's like like all the criticisms you guys have are so on point because it's like for me what i think is cool about this album is just like some of the more history and like what this album is i think is part of yeah. it to me that i think it makes it interesting what this album meant to the band at the time yeah and uh, what's funny is after this album the band like broke up kind of thing and like this like ruined their band basically and then it brought them back to life two years later sort of thing eventually but it, it's just an interesting record and i think it was, it was the first one i heard too so for me, it piqued this interest of, well, I've heard all these other songs by Sloan. Like, how did they get there? Like, what was the journey after this album? Because it's a weird album is what I think. Like, right. Definitely just there's a weird, dark, clean guitar. There's like a weird drape over it, I feel like, where it's just like there's some something just odd and off about it, I think, personally, in a cool way. But um, yeah, I think I would probably... I don't know. I think my favorite songs are like uh, Pen Pals, Coax Me, Snowsuit Sound, um, Deeper Than Beauty for sure. I feel like those are just the popular ones though and that's what I tend to gravitate towards more right. for sure. And there isn't a lot of poppy stuff on this album either. And even those songs aren't very like 
poppy per se, but you know what I mean? In comparison to the rest. And I definitely agree with what Alphonse says about how nothing is, it's a bit kind of like a, it's a bit bleak and there's not a lot of the whole kind of really jumps out at you for sure. And it's just something, yeah. something weird about it. But for whatever reason, I'm like, that's, this is cool. I like it. There's still a bunch of songs I would skip on it. And there's probably like three songs that I, like three or four songs I normally listen to it off it. So I would say like, Probably both my own score and objectively, I'd probably give it like a seven. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think so. Alphonse, what was your favorite song on this? Probably Coax Me. I think just something okay. about the uh, the chorus in particular and like the way that it kind of um, has has two very distinct like sections with the chorus and the, the verse. I, I like that contrast within the song a bit. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I am. Um... Just looking at the track list, the hook in Coax Me is the only thing that immediately jumps into my head at all. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's... That tends to be the only staple from the album that they still play, and they'll play yeah. People of the Sky as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The two singles. Okay, cool. So yeah. thanks very much for this. We are going to return very briefly for part B of this episode, Nickelback's All the Right Reasons. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we'll see you soon.